This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman the Fourth. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duncan Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 13, Episode 14. I am your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we have two excellent issues, both by the same writer, to review. And we also have a bunch of news and a surprise segment at the end, so stay tuned. Solicitations dropped at the end of two weeks ago, so right after we recorded last episode... We already talked a little bit about the Catwoman Lonely City and uh, Task Force Z and DC Vampires and uh, there was one other thing. But the things that we didn't have available to us when we recorded, Batgirls is getting its third um, creative team. This is going to be a backup in Batman number 115, part of Fear State, Uh, the Writers are Becky Cloonan and Will Conrad, who are the current writers for Wonder Woman. The artist is Jorge Corona, who just drew the most recent issue of Robin. Um, and he also did all of We Are Robin, except for issue number four. So that's a very exciting creative team. And there are hints from the creators that this might actually be the team that leads into the ongoing. And given my reaction to the last three creative teams, those being... Uh, Marguerite Bennett and Sweeney Boo, Cecil Castellucci and Marguerite Savage, and Vita Ayala and uh, Aniki. This is the team I would be most excited about from these four teams. So that is very exciting to me, especially if we do finally get our Batgirls announcement about this. But, but if the story is terrible, it won't matter. That is very true. But based on what they've written in Wonder Woman and Becky Cloonan's work on Gotham Academy and Punisher, I think it'll be I think it'll be a better fit. We also have the announcement of a series called Arkham City, which follows the escaped um, prisoners from Arkham uh, after A Day. Uh, this is written by Dan Waters. It seems like an interesting mishmash of current continuity, a sequel to Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison, and playing with the idea of Arkham City in the game, you know, the Ar- Batman Arkham City game. It will be starring Azrael, which is the thing I am most excited about as our hero, and then, of course, lots of villains who escaped. What do you think about that one? Is this going to be the intro of Astrid to the Future State storyline? Might be. But I guess a lot of her minions were already her minions in Detective Comics. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't have we don't have any real information other than the cover on the creative team, so I can't really say much that we know. And this is John Paul, right? Yes. 
You sound excited. I like John Paul. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> He's like nobody else's favorite in the world except Denny O'Neill. But <laughs> <laughs> I James Tynan made me a fan. I just fell in love with him in his detective comics run. It's like what? Maybe six issues? I mean it wasn't much. But they of a... were awesome issues. <laughs> Haven't you ever had that thing where you just fall in love with a character even though like you're a supporting character? It was him being coddled by uh, Dr. Tompkins. And uh, I I prefer Break Your Back and I Am the Son of God. I am vengeance. I am death. I am Azrael. It's so great. Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm willing to read it. Steph is the Ed. Steph is the end okay. of this podcast. <laughs> so there's Mr. Teeth that I will not read anymore. Well, as I don't think anyone wants to write him, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Azrael is just not my favorite. I would not pick to read Azrael. If I have to read Azrael, I will read Azrael. Now, to be fair, I don't particularly enjoy most of Denny O'Neill's Azrael. I think he just gets him... I think he's too dreary. I like it better when he's, like, as Batman... You know, just going nuts. <laughs> did you did you follow him in Odyssey? On and off. That I, series I was, was just a, so uneven. Yeah, I thought it was a weird fit. You know, yeah. a, a weird pairing sending him from Gotham to out of space. But but mm. I'm excited because in Urban Legends, the guy who's writing Arkham City is writing a short story explaining how Azrael transitions back from space to Gotham. So that that should be cool. We also have a Secret Files Peacekeeper. This is going to be James Tynan and Ed Brisson. It, of course, is following up from, you know, the conflict between Batman and Peacekeeper 1 and the revelations that Harley Quinn gave us. So I'm not super excited about Ed Brisson because his work on Batman and Robin Eternal was my least favorite, but he's had quite a while to mature as a writer, so maybe it'll be more exciting. Meh. Yeah, I'm kind of there. I mean, Secret Files is our, obviously not Secret Files. Is, is, they're just single one-shots that connect the stories now. That's pretty much what they've officially become. So, I don't understand why they don't title this like Batman Chronicles or something. Because that would fit a whole something. lot better. Yeah. But, I mean... Or Gotham and, Knights. And they're being kind of... Yeah. And they've been hit or miss. So, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. They have been really hit or miss. I'd agree. Or in other words... Me. <laughs> <laughs> that is a completely fair summary. Um, Catwoman and Harley Quinn are both featuring the Gotham City Sirens team of Catwoman, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy. I'm really hoping that Ram V and Stephanie Phillips are coordinating, because I would hate to have another Batgirl and Nightwing situation from Joker War, where they have the same cast of characters, and technically they try and make sure they fit, but they make no sense next to each other at all i've never been a sirens fan but is that mostly because you didn't enjoy gia march's art or you just probably that might have been a majority of it but i don't know it just isn't my favorite genre or whatever but it might be fun and i really didn't like the future state one. No, the future state Gotham City Sirens was awful, but this is going to be awful. written by Stephanie Phillips and Ram B, so hopefully it'll be better, right? Hopefully. And it needs to be considering, you know, I, I reviewed those. Oh, man. Those <laughs> that, that story was, was terrible. 
It was really just poorly written. I can't even remember who wrote it, thank God. Paula Sevenbergen. <laughs> I know because I reviewed her issue of Catwoman. I was just like, this is so bad, I have to remember this person's name because I just don't <laughs> want to read more of her stuff. And then there were sirens. God, that was terrible. <sighs> yep. But I will follow I will I will almost follow Ram V in to the gates of hell. <laughs> you will follow Ram V when he's writing Harley Quinn. <laughs> No. Well, I mean, Harley Quinn has a character in Catwoman. Oh. <laughs> okay. uh, the parasites of Hugh Vile are back in Detective Comics <laughs> all over the cover, so <laughs> that'll be exciting. I I struggled with the Hunter's book, just so y'all know. I'm blah. no spoilers. That's our review. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> carry on. Um. The Batman Who Laughs is joining the Batman Fortnite crossover, and it'll be co-written by Scott Snyder. So I am expecting Batman Who Laughs to be a huge part of this one shot. We have a gorgeous variant for Batman 89 uh, number three by Lee Weeks, which just made my heart stop because he captured Michael Keaton's Batman in his own style. And it was just amazing. Um, and also the main cover by Joe Quinones, who's doing the the interiors, looks amazing too. It's like this, I'm not even a fan of the Batman Tim Burton movies, and this series is exciting to me because the art and the the passion that's clearly going into this series is infectious. I like that when when it's something that you know the nostalgia or whatever can't get you excited. That the the talent and the skill of the creators is enough to get you excited. I love that. Liam Sharp is going to be doing the next three issues of Batman Catwoman with Tom King, and Clayman will return for the final three issues. Still no word on who's doing the uh, Batman Catwoman special. I'm still crossing my fingers for Lee Weeks, who was originally supposed to do it. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm happy about this, not because I like the artist change. I mean, I like Liam Sharp a lot. Sharp a lot. I think that's a good choice. But I am just so sick of Tom King's books going twice... Uh, only once every two months. I think that's just really yeah. frustrating. So getting the book and getting the story so we can read it is kind of more of a priority to me at this point after like three months. So, Do we know why everyone is flaking? Or? Clay Mann's always been a really slow artist. I mean, that that was my real concern. And with the kind of things that I've heard that, unfortunately, they didn't use the entire year to get Clay Mann caught up but actually a lot of it was in contract negotiation because of, you know, the management changes and stuff. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of question about contracts and how much page rate would be. So all the behind the scenes stuff leads to a mess. But I don't know, you know, contract stuff aside, you know, whether that's true or not, but my problem, my problem with this is when this book was first delayed, it was delayed so that there wouldn't be any mishaps, so that Clay can do each and every issue. So we we suffered, what, two, three months of waiting for it to be released after waiting through other delays, and now we're being told, oh, well, he's not going to be there for three issues. Well, hell, what was the delay for then? I just, I, I just don't, I just don't get it. I really don't. 
I definitely see your perspective, but I'm kind of at the frustrated, I just want to read it point. So, and I like Liam Sharp, so I'm not upset about it's. It's not like it's going to an artist that I won't name, but I really dislike. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's not a downgrade in art in other ways. In other words, we have an amazing, uh, Cassandra Kane variant for future state Gotham number six by artist Rose Besh, who did a great, uh, Stephanie Brown variant this month. Admiral, have you seen that one? No. Wait. Oh man, you got to check it out. Check out Future State Gotham number six variant. I am going to my comic shop website. Oh, it's on. It's on the chat. I put it. No, in no, the chat. no, 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 no. I am going to see about wearing it. <laughs> Although I will say, I am. I have never quite been a super fan of the orphan costume although i am slightly i i am okay with this one now that it removed the whole mask thing i just i could not take orphan but this one's okay yeah all right and our last bit of news is that robin's gonna start dating flatline in... no! <laughs> why so no steph she killed him. <laughs> I guess if that's gonna, if anyone's gonna be attracted to someone for killing them, it would be it would be Robin. I guess. I mean, who hasn't killed Damien at this point? <laughs> uh, he's too young to date or well, kill he's people. Fourteen. Or... Tim was dating at fourteen. <laughs> well, that solicits. I missed that. I didn't yeah, miss that. it solicits and the cover. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of with Steph. It, it, if it's if it's. Not Maya. Um, um. <laughs> I mean, I think I think um, I think Williamson can probably co- convince us. He he's been writing a really good series, and I think that he'll he'll make us sort of see the connection. All right, possibly. We'll see. We will, of course. All of this is wait and see. Um, in October. Uh, one last piece of news is that James Tynan IV, our Batman writer and sort of the lead of the Batman universe, is uh, the best writer of the year from the Eisners Ooh. just this last week. So that's pretty exciting. Does that does that pertain to any particular book or just like his work in general? Is I think considered... it's his work in general. So mostly okay. Batman, Department of Truth, uh, Wind, and what's the other one? Something's killing the children. Yeah, something's killing the children. Don't murder the children. Is he, is he doing that one too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, James Tynan's always been kind of a machine. He writes so much stuff. But apparently, it's all been really good. I've only really been reading Batman, but a lot of people really love it. So that brings us to our reviews. And we're going to start out with Detective Comics number 1040. <laughs> Detective Comics, number 1040, Story 1, The Weekender, by Mariko Tamaki, art by Dan Moore. Bruce Wayne walks into the crowded Midtown precinct of the GCPD and turns himself in to the desk commander. They place him in a holding cell and contact the detectives investigating the death of Sarah Ward. As he takes a seat, Oracle begins scouring her network for evidence to clear Bruce of Sarah's murder. As she works, she checks in on the condition of Deb Donovan and Helena, who are still in the hospital, recovering from the parasitic infection of Huval. 
The nurse tells Barbara that both patients were clear of the parasite. As the nurse walks into the patient's room, however, she finds Deb alone. Helena is nowhere to be found. Back at the Midtown Precinct, Bruce sits next to a man who has had entirely too much to drink. He recognizes the son of Gotham and reveals he knows a secret. Bruce Wayne is Batman. He tells the story of his encounter with Batman and Joker as they battle through the alleys of Gotham. As the storyteller makes his way to the roof to escape the violence, he's eventually joined on the rooftop by an exhausted Batman, who doesn't realize he's not alone on top of the roof. And that's when he sees the truth. Batman temporarily removes his cowl to get something out of his eye, revealing his secret identity. The drunk man then puts two and two together. Bruce Wayne keeps having all these bad things happen to him to throw people off. It's obvious that Batman and Bruce Wayne are one and the same. Before the conversation can go any further, Bruce's new friend falls asleep. Little does Bruce know that he's the topic of another conversation somewhere else in the precinct. A rogue cop is revealing information on Bruce's residence to the Penguin. He gathers his goons together. They're about to make a special delivery. It's Monday morning and Bruce still finds himself incarcerated at the precinct. His friend is finally awakened from his drunken slumber, but he remembers nothing of the conversation with Bruce, warning Bruce not to believe a thing he says. The death sergeant calls for Bruce. After the detectives revealed evidence that the evidence they gathered, they were able to confirm Bruce's alibi and are setting him free. They apologize for the inconvenience. As Bruce leaves the precinct, his new home goes up in flames. At the Gotham shipyard, Penguin meets with Mr. Word. He tells him that Hugh Vall is still alive and capable of allowing them to move forward with their plans to make Bruce Wayne pay for what happened to Sarah Word. Things have already started, beginning with the destruction of Bruce's home. For things to be successful, however, Batman has to be removed from the table. Once that happens, Bruce Wayne would be theirs. To get rid of Batman, however, the unconscious Hugh Val would have to be their weapon. Alright, so let's get started with some questions. What do you think of Penguin and Worth's plot? Well, I don't know what it is. I guess the question is, why are they going after Bruce Wayne? But, I don't know. I don't remember Penguin's deal. Like, he keeps popping up, and I don't remember enough about Penguin's appearances to remember what he's up to. I think Penguin is just trying to become more rich and powerful, like usual. Yeah, because remember in the backup, they kind of had him as as a has-been, you know, with all of the... Yeah, that's true. You know, I also recently watched (laughs) Batman versus the Ninja Turtles, and so I'm getting that Penguin plot confused with this one because I pay so little attention to Penguin. <laughs> I was like, isn't he stealing some kind of weather machine? Oh, no, never mind. That wasn't that. That's not this worry. I I don't know. I think I would not be surprised if there's a double cross brewing. Just, just knowing that, just knowing the backup story with Penguin being as aggravated with being questioned as far as 
he being a top tier bad guy, you know, by so many, I I would not be surprised to see a double cross. I think that's a really good point. I mean, these are two characters who are very similar, so it would be kind of odd if they didn't have any conflict. So a double cross would make perfect narrative sense. Do you think that drunk guy in the holding cell really knew that Batman was Bruce Wayne? I So I don't know, but holy moly, like, they spend a lot of panel time talking to this guy, having flashback scenes. I would be surprised if the guy isn't important or that little story or the concept of people know Bruce Wayne is Batman is important because like that was a good third of the book dedicated to Bruce's conversation with this guy and the flashback. And I absolutely loved it. It was hilarious. And I absolutely adored the idea of them using the classic Batman blue, mm. you know, that was yes, the, that flashback the, was was really the cool. Jim Aro blue. I just loved everything about that flashback story. So, get, I know when when we were on the server, you know, one of the comments that Ian made was that it it didn't really move the story, the overall story forward a lot, and. I'm okay with that because, again, it was just fun mm-hmm. just reading that little interaction between those two and, and what the drunken guy knew or didn't know, but I really think he knows. And just that whole interaction, you know, was just fun. I, I, I saw the whole issue as a transition issue, but that that third of the book, you know, with those two interacting with each other was just hilarious yeah. and i loved it it was very good did you see the smiling fish yes i saw the joker <laughs> fish I, it, I mean you gotta give props jo- jody valera is just a gem i the gift that just keeps on giving i mean we we've seen all these issues you know with with batman as a as as of today but just seeing that flashback and with him in that classic blue and gray was just oh i miss him bring him back i know that feeling because james tynan did the same thing in batman number 101 or i think it's 105 actually and i just felt a huge emotion both in this issue and that issue because it's just like why couldn't we use legends of the dark knight for this for for tales from that era you know too good it was just so good so beautiful um all right, uh, let's move on to our backup about Man Bat. Story number two, The Quiet and Unsung Death of Kurt Langstrom by Dan Waiters and Max Rayner. Batman sits atop a crypt at the Gotham Cemetery, looking over the grave site of Kurt Langstrom, waiting. As the rain falls, he thinks back on the events of the night when the man known as Man Bat lost his life. After the events of, jo- of Justice League number 64 and Man-Bat number 5, Batman and Man-Bat find themselves face-to-face on the Gotham rooftop. Langstrom is looking for his wife, Francine, who is nowhere to be found. Something has the once-renowned scientist afraid, and his wife is the only person who can calm him down. Unbeknown to Bruce, 
A shadow hunts man back, causing him to be more and more afraid. The shadow gets stronger. Batman, man that warns Batman, it's near, and it feeds off of fear. His fear will allow it to come through. Suddenly, a giant monster springs out from the now limp body of Man Bat. He explains his plans of domination to Batman. After using Man Bat's fear to come into the world, he will feed on the fears of everyone else to get stronger and then to multiply. A battering does nothing to slow the beast down. Suddenly, however, the monster as Mad Bat stands behind him. He commands the monster to return to the gape in his soul where he came from. Mad Bat doesn't fear him at all. After a struggle, Mad Bat succeeds in returning the monster back to where it came from. His last bit of heroics come at a price, however, as the severely, as the severely injured Langstrom falls to the ground. As he lay dying, he gets Batman to promise to tell no one of what happened to him, including Francine. There should be no chance of the monster returning. As the rain continues to fall, Batman recognizes someone entering the cemetery. It's Francine Langstrom, who has received word of Kirk's untimely death. Batman wants to tell her of how her husband died a hero. At the man warning, however... He doesn't know what to say. What do you think of this story as a setup to both Task Force Z and Arkham City? Because this is written by Dan Waters, who's going to be writing Arkham City. So I would be surprised if he doesn't tie some elements into that. Um, but of course, it also kills off uh, Man Bat after his own miniseries. And we know that he's coming back as a zombie in Task Force Z. So does We do? <laughs> yes. It's on the oh, cover. Oh. I didn't look at it. No. <laughs> uh, Steph is not a solicitation person. I'm not a solicitation person. I'm not but a I'm, not I'm a pretty sure we explicitly mentioned this when we talked about it last episode. I've slept since then. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> but does this make you more or less interested in Arkham City and Task Force Z? Um not interested. Like the story was fine. In fact, I was ready to hate this story because stories that begin with only uh, monologuing, <laughs> I just, ugh. And then a bunch of flashback images to books I didn't read. I was like, <laughs> I was going to say, hate this. But I actually very much enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the humanity and the layers giving to Landstrom. And I appreciated the little story. I actually did like this story a lot. And I'm excited for what it means for tech. Because it does say at the bottom, continued in detective comics. So that is exciting. But I don't care about zombie Manpat. And I don't care about... I don't care about Jean-Paul. And I don't care about Astrid. So I'm not, not super keen <laughs> On what it means for the art. I don't care about none of them, damn it. <laughs> but that sounds very negative because it's technically answering your question, but I actually did like it. Yeah, that's, as, a, fair, as that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, as someone who didn't, I didn't read either Man Bat nor do I read Justice League, you know, I found myself a little confused, you know, and a little lost. 
reading the story. On second read, however, you know, I gained a better appreciation for it to where I actually did like it. But yeah, I'm not excited for either Task Force Z nor Arkham City. But I I'm wondering considering considering this is gonna take place sometime soon in Detective is whether or not it will play into the Hugh Vile story some and and hear me out when I say this so Hugh Vile and the parasite feeds off of violence and he implants little bitty parasitic, parasitic bugs into his prey and now this thing basically feeds off of fear and he basically multiplies by doing the same thing feeding off of fear and planting little bitty bugs into those that he feeds off of and that's how he multiplies so it just that coincidence just seems too close to be a coincidence for me but maybe I'm reading too much into it and I do that a lot is Fear State gonna be TBU wide or just for Batman for Batman and Harley and Catwoman I believe I'm pretty sure so just I think it's everyone actually it's Batman Tech uh, Nightwing and um, it's Nightwing too. Okay, yeah, Nightwing and um... well, right. So this just kind of gives Tech its own fearness of the fear state, like it. The fear state of of um, Detective Comics might not be the exact same as what's going on in Batman. Anyway, well, I mean, uh, the thing about fear state is it's not quite the same as the Joker War where. I feel like Joker War really should have had a better tie-in with Detective in the prologue. Um, but fear is a more abstract concept. So it's not mm-hmm. Scarecrow War. It's Fear State. And I think that's on purpose. I tend to agree with you guys that this is a, a really intriguing story. I do confess that I'm slightly more interested in Task Force Z and Arkham City um, because the guy writing this kind of impressed me with his writing. And the concept maybe giving Kirk a chance to work towards redemption or healing or something. Um, because I was very sad about that last scene of, you know, Francine being alone. That was mm-hmm. quite sad, even though the new 52 treated Francine and Kirk very badly. It feels like this is back to more like the Batman, the outsiders, Kirk and Francine or um, streets of Gotham man, bat. So, what would we rate Detective Comics 1040 out of five burning brownstones? Um, golly. Three and a half for me? I don't know, maybe four? Like, it's just a middle-of-the-road story. And honestly, not oodles happens, but the art is so pretty, and that little flashback story is so great. And I really did like the ran- the, the, ran- the Landstrom story. <sighs> four. I'm going to follow my heart. Four. Good job, Steph. Yes. I give it a four. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention that cover art. Oh, Dan Mora. Dan Mora's Bruce Wayne is just so yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that cover. It is a really great cover. Dan Mora. I mean, I like Victor Bogdanovich a lot, but having Dan Mora back on art was like a breath of just, it was so good. 
breath of clean, beautiful, refreshing air. I'm giving it a 3.5. I I really like the comic. I just I don't know where it's going, and that's that's kind of like where where am I? What am I doing? Uh, I like the moments a lot, but um, I'm struggling to see the structure currently, and I'm hoping that'll fall into place. Um, but currently, that's where I am. So our average score is a eight, uh, 3.83 and a mode of four. Whether you are a first-time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. And now we will review our special comic for the month batman secret files huntress number one uh, this is written by Marku tamaki illustrated by david lapham colors by trish mulvile as huntress returns from the hospital as we see in this week's issue of detective comics she's helped batman with the hue vile parasite problem been infected fought batman until being knocked out and then cleared from the infection in the hospital she skips out on Deb Donovan after stealing her coat and makes it to her apartment where she falls asleep on the couch next to her cat. She wakes violently after seeing another vile parasite chasing a man in the city. Suiting up as Huntress, she follows her vision to save the man from the vile parasite-infected victim, but can't save both. The vile parasite kills the puppet that it's controlling. Over the next few days, Huntress uses her ability to see what Vile's parasitic puppets are doing to save more people from becoming victims, but is unable to really save many of the puppets themselves. Pondering her next move, Helena realizes that Batman is infected and races off to save him in Detective Comics number 1041 next month. Bum, bum, bum. Do you think this is a standalone issue? No. This is this is a, this is Detective Comics point five. This is not a standalone. But she said. It's definitely not a secret file. <laughs> yeah, it's not a secret file. Honestly, this feels like it could have been uh, backups to Detective Comics following, you know, mm-hmm. that original Huntress thing. And they just decided to collect them all in one issue instead of having them as backups. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been secret files and God knows how long. Yeah. That's why we think it should be called Gotham Knights or the Batman Chronicles. What was, what was that thing? Chronicles. Yeah. Batman That's Chronicles a- from the nineties, which was so many great short stories. It would be perfect. I don't know why the Secret Files brand is what they want to go with, because it doesn't make any sense at all. (sighs) Do you want things that don't make sense? Where is she hiding her house key that she can get into her apartment with only a hospital gown and a stranger's coat? Well, obviously she has a uh, little fake rock on the... (laughs) 
or the key. Or that, Her right? apartment landing. <laughs> How the hell does she go around with, with wearing a mask? Does I, was, I mean, yeah. she, never, she never. So she leaves the hospital and it's off, of course. But then she and gets, she gets home, home and it's on. <laughs> well, and here's, here's a here's a here's an answer to that. Ian, that I don't Ian, know if it's true. And um, she washes her face. With the mask on. So, Huntress used to own the entire apartment building where she lived. Um, this, uh. this was canon back in the early 2000s. Um, so, it's possible that Mariko Tamaki is using that setup. I don't well, what but, does that have to do with the mask? But she washes her face <laughs> with the mask on. Maybe she's like Alan Rickman in. Um, Galaxy Quest, and he just always has his silicone hat headpiece on, even at home. I think she was just it. really tired. I mean, she, this, this whole this whole issue is Huntress kind of on the edge after being infested by a parasite and leaving a hospital probably before she should have. So, I think she's got just kind of like really out of it. Seriously. Her mask is sitting there though, on like on the bedside table at the hospital, so they know who Huntress is. Yeah, that did. Unless I, I am a little puzzled about that. She, unless, unless they don't know who she is, like they didn't have a name for her. She washes her face with the mask on. <laughs> that would make up the majority of my analysis if I was reviewing this issue right about now. She washes her face. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if like Gotham Hospital staff have an unwritten rule. Extremely about- important to you. <laughs> Just don't um, admit that you know who anybody is. Well, I mean, that used to be the case in Steph's Batgirl run when her mother worked at the hospital, but her mother's kind of uh, evil yeah. now, so I don't... Well, but I mean, again, Infinite Frontier, maybe that's fixed. I don't know. Yeah, and and considering, considering you know, Babs had a direct contact to the nurse or the doctor or whoever, maybe, maybe only a limited amount of people knew who who were there. Because the only people you saw in the room outside of Deb and Helena was uh, the nurse or the doctor from the issue of tech and that one nurse who was, or was it two, that were trying to hold her down when she was trying to leave. Mm, Maybe. Non-emergency wards don't have tons of staff there, though, anyway. As someone who once lived for a week in a hospital in a non-emergency ward, there's not tons of people that come visit you. Why do, you, why do you think they chose to release this story in this format? Uh, what was the pressure for doing a one-shot about Huntress standalone? I wonder if you're right. Like, maybe they wanted to do it as backups and it just the timing didn't seem to work because it very is the, the time of this is very tight. You couldn't do this over the last three or four issues. Like, this is immediately following the last issue and preceding the next issue so maybe they just didn't have room to tell this story to rush things along i don't know it's really gross <laughs> it really is gross especially when the when the one thing popped out of the guy's eye and she goes squish Maybe that's what it is. They needed a higher rating, so they couldn't do it in the regular books. <laughs> so, is it a higher rating? I don't. It should be. It's really nasty. <laughs> Thirteen plus. Ugh. No. Older. 
little slimy dudes coming in the eyeballs. It's so nasty. A wish. Squish. You guys need to watch more Miyazaki movies. I watch all the Miyazaki movies. I don't know what Miyazaki I don't like Ponyo because of the squigglies. Oh man, Ponyo's so cute though. Yeah, yeah. Speaking German to me right now. It's it's Japanese. <laughs> and I speak a little German. I still don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> All right. I I think that honestly this was supposed to be worked into a stan- uh a chapter of Detective Comics. And I think that the plans for a fear state kind of interfered uh, because they want everything to tie in. So they're really just trying to figure out ways to get Tamaki's story published um, in full so that she doesn't lose her story, but also manage to tie in the story to fear state. So that would be my theory. And I think that's also why detective comics has been double shipping. And I will still say that, that, that Robin, backup story drew things off as well yeah but you couldn't mm. really publish this no no early. this 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 couldn't this couldn't this couldn't be this this could have been you know detective comics 1040 for right. all we know you know and or 1041 for all we know and but the release date of uh fear state basically pushes all of that up yeah, this, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. I think they pushed it together, so they were like, "We have secret files. Let's put it there." Um, I'm not complaining. I love me a Huntress story, and I thought this was pretty cool. But uh, it does seem like a weird, a weird place. It feels like another issue of Detective Comics. So it feels kind of weird to have it be something completely different, at least in title. Final question: Other than the really gross stuff, um, <laughs> what did you think of David Lapham on art? He's definitely very detailed, like, uh, like um, what's it called? Where's Waldo details? <laughs> like the uh, the uh, drive-in scene. There's just stuff going on in all the cars and the guy getting his concessions. And there's just a lot of detail that is very cool and fun and fun to look at when there's not worms coming out of people's eyes. I don't, I don't know. He's not very consistent with the way he draws people, I guess. I don't know. Like, just some of the different views of of Helena are just totally different. I don't know. It's not... There's something about it that doesn't jive with me, but it's very good, and I appreciate the amount of effort that obviously went into this. For me, I think what saved the art was the colors more than anything. I was not crazy about the art. It... Steph is right. It was very inconsistent because there were some pages and some panels where it just looked a little too rough. And then there were some pages and some panels where things were just okay. But I think what really saved the art more than the pencils were the the inks and colors that were laid after. Uh, But it is what it is. I enjoyed the art um i would agree that the criticism that it's inconsistent lapham's more uh, of a mood and tone creator than necessarily a rock solid character likeness drawer and i think that that's reflected here i think that there's so much mood and and humor like the scene with that that drive-in theater scene was hilarious because there's so many different characters doing silly things and it it just felt like really well observed and 
kind of real in a way. I'm not the biggest fan of Lapham in general, um, especially not he's most famous for writing and drawing City of Crime back in the mid-2000s, actually right after War Games. I'm not the biggest fan of his, but I do think that he did a really good job of capturing a lot of emotion and humor. So I I liked it. Um, I I will admit I am very biased because this is a Huntress one-shot. I I appreciated the art. I appreciated what they were doing with the writing. I just think it's puzzling the way they chose to release it as a as a one shot instead of as a another part of Detective Comics, which it clearly is. How many? So wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. So I have a question. I have a question. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Everybody ready? Steph, you ready? Okay. Here's my here's my question. Does knowing Batman is infected and knowing the backup story we got in last issue of Detective now give more credence to it because we were all down on it. We just thought it was terrible and not needed. But now knowing that Huval may have infected a whole lot of more people than we would have known just by reading the main story of tech, does it give more credence to it? Because it seems that that is where Batman was infected. Remember there was that one panel where he's watching Batman or do we just think he gets infected some other type of way? I kind of think he gets infected in a different way, possibly in that battle with Huntress. I just, I still don't think that that story was terribly necessary and it wasn't very enjoyable. Give credence to which episode or which issue again? Sorry. The backup story, last issue. The U oh. No, no. That was still, no. Like, yes, he still exists, but I still don't like him. I still don't care about his backstory. And he's a bad human being. And I already knew that. So I didn't need a backup telling me that. Right. But what what about, and this was the question, that what about from the standpoint of how Batman gets infected? <sighs> I think we know that. Like the people do all slimy gross on people and and you just need to touch it or whatever. I don't know. No. I think this hunter story did a better job telling that the parasite was uh hive mindy, <laughs> interconnected, um that they're puppets, which I didn't really get from the backup or any of the previous issues. I just knew that I just thought they were they'd go on autonomous after they get infected. So the Hunters episode issue was definitely helpful. The backup was not helpful. Well, I think that Hugh Vile, the the guy himself, is not a puppet. But I think that pretty much everyone else is a puppet. I mean, Huntress was yes. clearly a puppet. But there's like there's a puppet of like I just do my last programming, and then there's puppet of I do current programming. And so I kind of figured from the last few issues that it was your you have a program installed in you, but this is saying that no, no, these are targeted attacks by the current Huvile. Yeah, the hive mind thing. It's like got an active plan rather than setting loose a bunch of autonomous terrorists. Right, and hive mind is kind of cheating because that just means you have to do away with the one guy. I'm worried that Bruce is going to kill somebody and that they're going to use the parasite as an excuse to be like, well, he he wasn't in control. Like maybe he'll he'll kill he- Vile or something like that. That does feel a little cheap, but um, I don't know. I don't think they'll go quite that far. Yeah. 
we'll see, we'll have to see, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of five Huntress bikes, how many Huntress bikes would you give this issue of Detective Comics? Um, wait, no, Huntress. Oh yeah, how many Huntress <laughs> bikes would you give this Batman Secret Files Huntress one shot? Uh, I really didn't like the art all that much, and though I appreciated the story a lot. There was nothing that I got excited about. So I, I will, I'm going to say two and a half. I might have to. I don't know if I would go that low. I would say maybe three, three and a half. Can I just say 3.25? There we go. <laughs> 3.25 it is. You have to pick one. <laughs> 3.25 it is. All right. The, the, the art was, was not great. You know, that, 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 that. That brings it down some. So for me, I'm giving a three three point five. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, um, and since I think this is really just another issue of Detective Comics, I kind of am rating it like that. So I gave the last issue of Detective Comics a three point five. This is also a three point five. So that gives us an average score of three point oh uh, eight, uh, and a we have no mode because we all have different uh, ratings. And now for something completely different. And welcome to the first annual TVU Comic Podcast Mid-Year Awards. I'm your host, Theo, and we want to take the time to welcome our fans to our mid-year awards show where we are giving kudos to those books that we love most batman books so we are going to as we go through this show just know that this is mid-year but at the beginning of next year we're going to be doing the best of 2021 and we'll be inviting the fans of TBU to participate in our award show as well. So be on the lookout as more details come out for that. And so as we get into our award show, our mid-year award show, let's get on to our first category. Best Writer. Ian, take it away with your choice. Well, listeners to this podcast will not be surprised at all by my choice of James Tynan IV. Um, His work on Batman has been surprisingly not the best that he has been doing this year. It's it's his Joker that really takes it away from me. I have just loved this title in a way I didn't think was possible for something about my least favorite villain in the Batman (laughs) universe. So James Tynan IV is my nomination for Best Writer of 2021. I have picked... Mariko Tamaki, because she took a book that had become so painful to read. (laughs) And she's not bombastic. She's not having things exploding all the time. Although now, poor Bruce is homeless. But, you know, she's doing great. I love her voice. I love her voice for for Bruce. She came on the scene in January with future state and i just instantly fell in love with her and she's now someone i follow so she is my favorite writer of early 2021 and i would once again note for the record that this is the same person that gave us the no mr teat no no she didn't 
That was her evil twin. Tamiko Tamaki. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll take it. So for me, I was so I was so gonna go with uh, Mariko Tamaki as well, and, and for pretty much the same reason that Steph did. You know, she took a book that was pretty much a chore to get through in many instances to make it the best bat book that's out there now. And, you know, she did it quite naturally. But for me, the best writer as of right now is Brandon Thomas. And I do this for two reasons. One, he has done the one thing that all of the other writers have failed to do. And that has made me a fan of Duke Thomas. Scott Snyder couldn't do it. James Tiny couldn't do it. Brian Edward Hill couldn't do it. But we get to Future State Outsiders. And Brandon Thomas just blew me away with the characterization of Duke Thomas. And what further cemented it was his story in Batman Black and White which was also absolutely phenomenal. So for me, best writer right now is, is Brandon Thomas. I just wanted so, to comment here that I think it's awesome that we have so many good writers to pick from right now. Yeah, I actually forgotten about Brandon Thomas, so I quickly added him to my shortlist, even though I've already given my response. <laughs> I never forget Brandon Thomas, but I knew someone was going to pick him, so I went with uh, another favorite. <laughs> it's just been a great year to be a Bat fan. It has. Truly. It has. So congratulations to our winners for Best Writer. And let's now move on to our next category. And our next category is... Best Artist. And so this is just artist, penciler, however you want to do it. So, Ian, take it away with your pick. So I think uh, it will again not be a surprise. Jorge Jimenez is my nomination for Best Artist this year. Um, his stuff on Batman has just been jaw-droppingly good, and I've loved him for, uh, goodness, it's eight years now, and I'm so happy that he's getting such a big stage for people to fall in love with his art. And this is not at all a knock to the other great artists that are out there. I mean, Guillaume March is doing work of his career on Joker, and, you know, there's so many great artists we're going to hear from, from Steph and Theo, but for me, Jimenez is just so good. Uh, Jimenez was definitely on my shortlist. And you know what? I've really been liking the backup art. Like, as much as the stories are just, uh, uh, I find the, the, the Ricardo Lopez Ortiz Ghostmaker backup art has been refreshing and cool and, and fun to look at. But Dan Mora is going to take it home because <laughs> I just love the way he draws Bruce. And it's just, I don't know. Usually, like, he's not super scratchy, but he's a little scratchy. But I don't know. I just love the way he draws people and expressions, and I just gobble up the stories we've been doing. Well, his Barbara this week was amazing. Like, oh, he just yeah. draws everybody so beautifully. Mm-hmm. At some point, Steph has to get Yummy Bruce trending. <laughs> yummy Bruce. So, for me, had it not been for this guy, it definitely would have been Jimenez. You know, and, and I gotta give props to Gillian March's as well, who's done some 
fantastic work. But for me, I am I am on the Dan Moore train with stuff as well. The guy's just a godsend when it comes to drawing. And he is just again, not to take any anything away from the work that Bogdanovich did in his absence, but the covers he's done for for tech, the the work that he has done for tech, it is just is just a uh, perfecto. You, you just love it. So my pick for best artist is Dan Moore. I'm surprised we didn't have any Bruno Redondo mentions because he's been doing amazing work too. Yeah, no love for uh, Nightwing. Hmm, no mention of Tom Taylor either. He was on my shortlist, but I was like, you know, if we're going strictly by six months of 2021, there's nothing in there I like better than what Mariko has done. Totally fair. So congratulations to our winner. And now our next category. Best ongoing series. So again, this is is a regular books, not mini series or maxi series. So Ian, take it away with your pick. It's going to be Joker. The fact that James <laughs> Tynan took a villain that I literally wanted dead and made me love a book. And to be fair, it's mostly because it's about Jim Gordon, but it is such a great book. Oh, sorry, I just had a visitor come in and. Is it a, a furry seat. visitor? It's a very furry visitor. He just my furry visitor have been messing with my feet for the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So I ugh, so I struggled with this one. And for a good 20 minutes, Urban Legends was my number one. But I was like, you know, there's enough misses in there. I can't justify that being my favorite. So I, I, I thought about it and I picked the book that I'm most excited to read every month and the one that I usually read first. And that is Robin because the art is gorgeous and my little my little pesky friend is becoming just so mature and learning so much about himself. <laughs> and he misses Alfred so much. So I He's growing up before your very eyes, only to be fourteen for the next few years. <laughs> He's getting a little girlfriend who's already killed him. Like it's just it's so great. For me it wasn't it wasn't a hard decision. At all for me, without a doubt, is Detective Comics. I mean, anyone who has anyone who has read my review, I mean, I don't think I've except this except this this review. I didn't do it, but for at least the last three or four reviews, I have made it a point of saying that you know, right now, it's the best Batman book on the market right now, and. Considering where we were before Future State, you know, that's that's kind of a miracle, you know. And again, you just got to give props to Tamaki for turning things around and putting things together and giving us a Batman story starring Bruce Wayne and that you just can't you, 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 you can't go wrong with that. And you add to the fact the great art that we've been getting from both Bogdanovich as well as Dan Moore. And you just have the best book 
on the back shelf right now. So my pick, Detective Comics. And so congratulations to our winners. Our next category is favorite limited series. So it doesn't matter the number of issues. It's just a non ongoing series. Ian, what's your pick? So I'm going to cheat a little bit, but Future State Immortal Wonder Woman, the use of Batman and the inclusion of a memorial case for Maps as Robin, and just the the real high quality of this limited series made it stand out above most other limited series for me. I also will admit that I didn't pick other ones because I knew other people were going to pick them. Um... I struggled with this one. Not because there were so many, but because there were so few that I liked. (laughs) If we were doing Wall of Shame, that would be a hard pick. But um, I decided on Batman Catwoman because that is one that we have been looking forward to for a very long time. And it's definitely delivering on quality, even if it is pulling teeth getting new issues (laughs) (laughs) which again is why i'm so happy that we're finally getting issues by liam sharp because i want more issues for me my pick wasn't hard as well uh for me my pick was future state catwoman uh those those issues from rom v again i would i would Oh, I would consider following him into the gates of hell with his with his storytelling. But, you know, just the way he the way he has given this voice to Selena Kyle, whether whether it's in current continuity or in future state, has just been absolutely phenomenal. And the way Catwoman's Catwoman series, the the Future State series, was one of the few that actually ended, you know, with a closed ending compared to what we saw with the next Batman or with Detective with Dark Detective. We actually got a, a, a true ending to the story, even though it may not have been what we wanted with, um, you know, with those two separating again but for me that was the best limited series so that's my pick future state catwoman and so congratulations to our winners for best limited series so now we go to our next category which is favorite single issue and this single issue can come from either a limited series or ongoing or a one shot Ian Miller, take it away with your pick. So my pick for favorite single issue of the first half of 2021 is Batman number 108, which is the introduction of Miracle Molly. And it's not because I'm a speculator who wants a new character. It's because (laughs) I went in kind of expecting to kind of not really love Miracle Molly. And I don't love her, but she was much more interesting than I thought she would be. And... The appearance of Bruce as Match Malone just tickled tickled me pink. I love the Matches Malone personality or character. Um, 
And it really went into issues of Bruce's identity and his past in a very thoughtful way. So I was just kind of surprised. I think I had kind of low expectations for this issue. And I came out just kind of, this is a great issue. And it it was very thematically unified. So it kind of fits as a single issue. Uh, and I, I have to mention, uh, because I was overruled by my co-hosts, um, the... <laughs> Truth and Justice number six, which started as a digital release in June, but released as a physical this month. So uh, I think this is one of the best Damien stories of the last five to six years. And I hope that more people get a chance to read it. It's definitely cutting it out. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm standing up for your boy, man. (laughs) My I changed my favorite limited to Batman Catwoman because I was in real danger of limited, single, and moment all being the same thing. And I wanted to spice it up just a little bit. So my favorite single issue is Future State Catwoman number two. Um, because it's just... Ugh, I don't remember the last time I've like had such emotional highs <laughs> reading a comic book. One, it was just... A, like I mean, Theo's already listed it as his favorite limited. And all those reasons are the reasons that the second issue is... It's wonderful, but also just meeting Bruce and saving him, and where so she can be the savior, which is cool, and Talia being involved. I don't know, just the whole thing was just a roller coaster of emotions, and it was fantastic. And so, if I had to pick just one of the issues, the second one would be my favorite. Although Miracle Mani's introduction was almost my number one. So for me, I am going to step out of the continuity world. And my favorite single issue is Batman Black and White number five. Mm, And yes, what what won this over with me was this was the issue where the artist took over. You had the story by Jorge Jimenez. You had the story by Lee Weeks. You had the story by Jamal Campbell. That Nightwing story by Jamal Campbell was a gem. It, 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 if there was ever an example of saving the best for last, that was it. But they not only shined in their in their drawing, as they always do, but they did they really stood out with their storytelling. And I, you know, to get you those pages of, of Jamal Campbell's Nightwing story without him saying a word, but to get what he was, the story he was telling was just absolutely great. And who could, who would have thought that Jorge Jimenez could tell a Batman and Robin story the way that he did with, with Damien doing what he does best, and that's being Damien. <laughs> and that issue was just absolutely phenomenal. And so for me, as of right now, that was my favorite single issue of the of the year. And so congratulations to our winners for favorite single issue. And so our final category of the evening. Best moment. So this is a scene, a panel, or a sequence within an issue that was just, uh, 
And so, Ian, take it away with your pick. Well, this is definitely a theme of the night for me. Um, I've already picked the writer and the series. Jim Gordon revealing that he knows that Barbara Gordon is Batgirl and Oracle. That scene was so well written. The emotion was perfectly judged. The art was fantastic by Guillaume March, really getting into the emotions of the characters and a lot of great atmosphere and it's something that I've just wanted. I mean, so many people have wanted this for so long, and I think that it was it was just done well. So uh, Batman Black and White number five was like the first black and white issue I could actually sit down and read. And like, for whatever reason, the art didn't give me seizures. <laughs> um, cause I don't know. There's usually always one artist in there that's just super detailed, and it just makes my eyes crossed. But... I didn't pick anything from there. I almost did. It's on my short list. And Robin talking to Alfred in Robin was also ooh, so good. But I had to pick the moment that made my little shipper heart flutter, which is Selena and Bruce meeting on the train. <gasps> Future State Catwoman number two. Oh, it was so good. And it was just so good. <laughs> Like when when we talk about you know what what do we consider a five star book, um, having a, like a super serious or a super severe no what's the word I'm looking for like just a super emotional reaction does it for me like if I if you're taking me on an emotional ride then you've done a good job. So we didn't actually write that book, but I probably probably would have given that a five. That's as close to a wedding, I think, as I'm ever going to get. So, <laughs> yeah. Selena saving Bruce on that train was my pick moment of the first six months of 2021. So since I couldn't go with my first choice, since it was actually a July book, I am going to bypass what I eventually what I eventually went to and I am going to follow Steph and say the moment in Future State Catwoman 2 when Selena opens up that locked door and finds her boo and <laughs> they lock eyes and then lock lips and everybody's happy including Talia you know, she doesn't stab anybody in the back. And then they depart to know that they're going to somehow, some way, meet up again once Bruce takes care of the magistrate. So for me, uh, as well, is the the moment between Selena and Bruce in Future State Catwoman number two, since I couldn't pick Bruce saving Selena at the end of Catwoman number 33. And so, thank you for joining us. Uh, we want to again congratulate all of our winners. So, this is this is just a taste of what we're going to be doing come early 2022 as we look back on all of the TBU books of 2021. And just know that when we do the awards for Books of the Year of 2021, you have the opportunity to join in and provide your choices of winners as well so be on the lookout as we provide more details on your ability to participate in the upcoming annual tbu awards thank you for joining us
thank you, Theo, for being our presenter. We are, as we probably is clear now, foregoing our Greater Gotham and listener feedback section for this awards section because we want to get you excited about next year's awards for the entire 2021 Batman Universe comics. So we'll get to our supporters. Thank you for supporting us. If you're one of our patrons or you've given a one-time gift on PayPal, we also have our affiliate links that you can buy things through Amazon, Lego, Comixology, and any many other nerdy websites. If you support at a certain level on Patreon, we do read your name on the podcast. So let me get to that. Thank you to Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Ian Miller, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Cesar Diaz. You help keep the lights on, the hosting paid, and everyone else able to download our podcasts. That concludes this episode of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I've been your host, Ian. This is Steph. And this is Dio. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next month. Uh, Catwoman number 33. Oh. What happens in that one? Oh, Clayface. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> neutral, I think. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember my opinion. <laughs> I read it. Uh, thumbs up, I guess. Sure, thumbs up. She has friends. They show up at the last second. That's kind of cool. Thumbs way up. Love the story. I wrote the review for this. Why am I having difficulty remembering? I know! I feel so bad! No, Clayface shows up and, like, he's the guy in the hat. And then a whole bunch of people show up for no reason whatsoever. And our, our, our Ivy seems to be normal again. Let me tell you. Oh, she gets stabbed. Oh, oh, I did want to ask. I read, okay, no, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs because up. of the ending, huh? Because of the, the ending. ending. Thumbs up. So yes. here's my question. Is that Batman or do you think she's hallucinating? I think it's oh, him. It's no, because I, yeah. it's, it's Batman? Because remember, he, he's on the cover of the next issue. Yeah, <gasps> Could still be hallucination. And covers are liars. No, I, it's, it's I him. Believe it. he, I think he's here. He's no, he's in. He's in the next issue. Okay. Okay. Then thumbs up. I, I totally I forgot everything about this issue. <laughs> I won't do that to you, Steph. <laughs> no, I, I love everything about this issue. I mean, I love the team up with with her. Now, now, I will admit, I thought big bulky guy was Bruce in disguise, just as in she just they got them. But when it was revealed to be. Basil, I was pleasantly surprised at that as well. And it's good to see, you know, her teaming up with some of her former compatriots, you know, in some roles with Cheshire and and what they kept no, that wasn't Killamont, that was uh, Firefly, you know, in, in that gang. So that was that was all a pretty decent story. And and then again, that ending with, you know, Selena pretty much giving up and seeing Batman reaching out for it was just <laughs> I'll do it again for Steph perfecto <laughs> yeah definitely thumbs up this was a, an excellent issue I think it was one of the first ones I read and then there was a lot that happened what do you mean the next issue or this issue no no this this issue was one of the first I read no, of no, this, this he, 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 oh. when does it come up 
he's talking to himself. I don't know. He's talking to himself. Huh. Actually, you might have to edit that out because that's not supposed <gasps> to come out till the 20th. Oh, no, really? Yes. Catwoman? Yeah. Wait, no, what Theo said or what I said? What any of us Wait. said. This book Wait. isn't going to be out by the time this episode's out. Uh-oh. Wait. We see that, That's why I, had, I couldn't remember because I hadn't written the review yet. <laughs> this book's not out yet. That's right. It doesn't come out until the 20th. Yep. <laughs> Spoilers. Whoops. <laughs> okay. 